So uh, you missed it. Uh, so, uh, but uh, no, good stuff. So, hey, let's do this. We've been going through the book of Mark, uh, and we're still in the book of Mark. Let's hit it today. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, let our, one of our ushers bring you a Bible. We're in Mark chapter 10. We would love for you to follow along with us in Mark chapter 10. Uh, just throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care, and they will bring you one, and you can follow along. And if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one. We would love for you to have that, and you can consider it a gift. Uh, but Mark chapter 10 this morning brings about, and we've been in Mark chapter 10 for a few weeks, uh, especially with uh, snow days and everything else, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, devotion from the basement and all those things, that was Mark chapter 10 as well, kind of leading up to this, which I was, I got to tell you, I've had a couple people like, I mean, that was, that was a really good devotion. I'm like, I, you just don't know. Like, I was so, I was so mad I could bite a nail in two. By the time that I'd figured out that my computer was not going to do what I needed it to do and I was going to have to hold my phone in the air the entire time I was doing this while looking at scripture and all this other, you know, whatever. But uh, we, we made it through. So, um, thank you for, for tuning in and all that kind of stuff. Um, Mark 10 brings us uh, on the heels of that passage that I shared last weekend about Jesus telling his disciples yet again that he's going to die, that he's, uh, and, and, and Jesus gives a little more detail, I made mention of that, Jesus gives a little more detail to that to his disciples, but it, it, it brings about this next conversation with the disciples. And, and, and we have to remember context here of what's going on with the disciples and what's going on with, at large, just people that were trying to follow God, still believing, and even the disciples still like stuck in this like train of thought, still believing that the Messiah was coming to be this political savior. Okay? So like, we look at politicians to be like political saviors. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> I quit doing that a long time ago, you know? Like, I just, you know, I just, I just have very little faith in so much of that, as, as probably many of you do too. Uh, and, I know, and many of them I know mean well, and they're trying or whatever, and, and God bless the ones that can and, and do, and I hope, I hope that there are some that uh, the Lord leads that, uh, that will help us along the way. But for those people at that time, they really, really thought that Jesus was coming to be this political savior to set all of those things straight at that moment in time so that in turn, because they were with Jesus, I mean, they were his boys then, that meant that, meant that they would be his boys when, they were, when he was the man, you know, like when he was the politician man, you know, when he was the king of the Jews that they had in mind not the king of Jews that Jesus came to be, okay? And, and, and so, you know, when this, when this stuff starts going down, like they're, they're thinking ahead, they're thinking 10 steps ahead. So, so when they're, they're even thinking about Jesus is just telling them, hey, I'm going to die. And they're like, well, you, you're supposed to be the king before anything like that happens. So they're thinking in their minds, well, you know, well, if he dies, then, you know, that means that like whoever's like next in line to the throne will then be the king. So then comes this conversation, and this conversation in Mark 10, verse 35, I'll just go ahead and read it with me. It says this, it says, and James and John, loving good old James and John, I mean, faithful and always there, I mean, just you, you can't get enough of James and John, and here's James and John, and they've got a request. It says, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. 
did you read that? Like, <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, hey, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. They're asking Jesus that he would do anything that they want. I love Jesus' response, by the way. Verse 36, it says this, and it says, And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> and they said to him, Grant us to set one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. In your glory. Now, they, they've heard Jesus talking about in glory, okay? They've been thinking the whole time that when this goes down, that when this happens, they're not, they're not thinking about eternal glory. They're, th they're not thinking about the kingdom of God. They're thinking about the kingdom of King President Jesus over the politics of the day. And so that in this moment, they're saying, hey, we want to sit at your right and your left. We want to be your boys at the table. Why are they asking that? Because he just told them that he's going to die. And they're thinking, well, we, you know, James, you think, uh, you think maybe we ought to talk to Jesus, see about going ahead and working our way in there? Kind of be, kind of be ready? Maybe, maybe be his vice, you know? You know, something, something along those lines? You think, you think maybe we should do something like that? And, 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 so, and so sure enough, you know, they, they, they have a lot of courage. I'll just put it that way to ask Jesus if he will do whatever they want him to do. And then when he asks, what would you like me to do? He says, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Now, in, in your glory, you know, again, they're thinking politics. They're not thinking about eternal glory. Jesus says to them in verse 38, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drank or be baptized with the baptism in which I am baptized? And they said to him, we, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. This is probably not the answer that they thought they were going to get. And they're probably somewhat dumbfounded, as they are most of the time when Jesus speaks. Because to them, this seemed like a simple request from people who had been very faithful to his campaign. You know what I'm saying? And James and John weren't ready for the answer in which Jesus is basically pointing to the Father. You see, we see, we see even in this, this element of the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We see Him talking about authority as to who is going to sit at His right hand and His left. Jesus is saying, uh, not for me. Not for me to decide. He says in verse 40, but to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. He's alluding to the understanding that Jesus, the Son of God, also God, comes under the authority of the Father. I think, by the way, 
And I don't think that we talk about this enough in the church in general, not just our church, I mean just in general. Um, I think, by the way, we should be challenged by the authority that we see Jesus come under the Father with on a daily basis with how we live our lives. And, and, and I don't mean just in how we come under God's authority, although I think that that kind of, if we come under God's authority, truthfully, as the Word teaches us to do so, I think that we would find ourselves coming under other authorities in ways that, uh, you know, would be glorifying to God. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, I have, uh, where you're in a job and you're asked to do something, and, you know, and, it, and I'm not talking about something that's immoral or something like that, but just something that you're like, I really don't want to do that. But you have a boss, and the boss is saying, this is what I want you to do. And, and there's, there's an element there where we have an opportunity as believers to come under authority of those people that God has put over us. And you can say the same thing about within the church and all those kinds of things too. But, but I, think that it's, I think it's important for us to see those moments for what they are because, you know, for most of us, especially men, we're like, you tell me what to do. You tell me what to do. You think you tell me what to do? I'm, I'm, I'm here to do one thing. I'm doing my job. Don't ask me to do something else, you know, kind of thing. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of our mentality. God is glorified in those moments when we come under that kind of authority and we are able to show those people that we can love and be kind even in situations that we don't agree with. That's, that's kind of crazy for us to think about. Jesus is coming under the Father's authority. Could Jesus have said, oh, yeah, sure, guys. You know what? Since you guys are the first to ask, I try to, I try to go with the whole, like, first come, first serve. You know? I mean, you guys are here. You're asking. So, I mean, you know, the other guys didn't ask. That's their fault. We don't see Jesus have that conversation with them, do we? In fact, we, ha- we see Jesus have an opposite conversation with them to follow. Jesus talks to them and says some things to them that I think in verse 38 are important to us. It says, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drank or to be baptized with the baptism in which I am baptized? What, what is he, what's he saying there? Is he, are, is he saying, are, you know, can you, can you drink the soda that I'm drinking or can you, you know, get dunked like I get, I'm going to get dunked or got dunked or whatever? You know? I mean, that, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is talking about something much bigger. The cup that he's talking about is the cup in which he would take for us. Jesus is talking about the cup of judgment. He's talking about the cup of God's wrath that is poured out on him for the sake of our forgiveness that for anyone who would believe and Jesus would be saved. You see, this is like, like the most important thing that we can ever understand about our life, creation, the world. Any, pick, pick your flavor, okay? Like the most important thing that we could understand about anything at all in this world is the understanding that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. Our sin, Scripture teaches us, that our sin separates us from God. We don't want to be separated from God, and God didn't want us to be separated from Him, and so He made a way. He sent His Son, Jesus, the only perfect sacrifice that could die in our place that if we put our faith in Him, that we too could be saved. 
that we could be saved from our sins, that we could be saved from ourselves, and that Jesus could be the Lord of our lives. And if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then everything changes. The cup he's saying, hey, you guys think you can drink this cup? They can't drink that cup. But they don't understand that. The baptism in which he's talking about is literally the baptism of fire, of suffering and death that there again, he went through on our behalf that if we believe and trust in him that he will save us. What are the response, these guys? They said to him, we are able. We're able. We can, we can take a drink. We can get baptized in the river. We can do that, Jesus. We're with you, bro. We've been here. You know, we've been here like almost, you know, what, a couple, three years or something and going with you, and we're trying to, we're trying to get it. You keep telling us you're going to die. You're kind of freaking us out about that. But, hey, you know, if you're going to go and you're going to be on the throne, we want to be here to, you know, make sure things go the way you want. being real diplomatic. And Jesus said to them, verse 39, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. And he's saying to them, you will suffer. You will die. Those things are going to happen for you guys. And they did. Those guys end up losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, verse 41, they began to be indignant at James and John. In other words, the other disciples were mad that they were asking Jesus to be first and second at the table. As you can imagine, you know, like all of a sudden, like they're catching wind. I don't know if like they you know, caught up to Jesus as he's kind of up away from everybody else. And they're like, hey, Jesus, you know, while we got you by ourselves for just a second, you know, hey, let me, does that. And then, of course, Jesus is probably like slowing down for everybody to like catch up. And then he's teaching them these things. And then everybody else, the whole, you know, other 10 guys, you know, are like, they're like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? You guys asked him if you could sit at his right and his left? What about us? We've been here. What, what's, you know, what's the deal? In verse 42, and Jesus called them to him and said to him, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus calls his disciples to humility. Jesus is saying to them, you're not going to be lords. You're not going to be like the people of this world who expect things to be done for you and you not be a part of them happening. You see, that's that it, Jesus saw through what they were asking. Jesus understood that they were wanting not just to be close to Jesus at the table. Jesus understood that they were asking, we want to be your backup when you die. I think that's a big deal for us today. And I think for us today, I think 
we can be reminded of this table concept and this idea of what it's like to be at the table. Let's go ahead and move this thing up a little bit too here in just a second. The idea of setting at the table, especially back in those times, there would be, you know, kind of a, a head chair, you know, and, and, and I think at a, at a lot of those tables, they were, you know, kind of what we imagine, you know, being big, big, wide, long tables or whatever, you know, but at the head of the table, you would oftentimes have, you know, more than one chair, you would oftentimes have, you know, three chairs or whatever it is, and, you know, and in these chairs, you would see, you know, the person that is at the head of the table, and then the people to the right and to the left, those might be people of some kind of importance. The table that Jesus is talking about is this same kind of idea, the same kind of understanding, the same thing with the disciples. They, they understand this kind of table. They understand that this is what Jesus is talking about, and they, they get it. Have a seat, Jeff. Eric, where are you at? Come on up here. Well, Ray, why don't you come join us? You've got nothing to do. Come on. This is a... Uh, this is an opportunity, I think, for us to be reminded of who God is and the things that He's done. That little checks mix there. Y'all are jealous right now. I'm having chips and salsa brought in, second service. We're going to get somebody frying up tortillas and, and fajitas and stuff back here with the, with the trays coming out. That'll be, that'll be real nice. Um, you know, the, the thing about the table is that the table represents something for us as a church. And, and, and honestly, I, I remember years ago when we were in the elementary school, uh, one, of the, one of the series that I did back then was actually a series called The Table. And one of the things that we talked about during that series, we talked about how there are different people at the table when it comes to your church. Uh, there are people who are believers. There are people who are uh, uh, maybe de what I call de-churched, people that have maybe been burned by the church and they've given up on the church, but maybe they're giving it a, another chance. Uh, and then you've got people uh, that uh, are at the table who are not believers. They're trying to understand what this whole Jesus thing is about and trying to figure that out. Um, and, you know, I think, I think one of the things that is true about the table is that it's easy to come, and you guys feel free to have a little snack here. Don't be afraid. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that is, is true about the table is that it's easy to come and sit at the table, you know? It's easy to come and sit. It's a whole nother thing to come and serve. You know, and, and I don't know when the last time was you had a really good or a really bad experience at a restaurant, but usually one of those things sticks out to you when you go to a restaurant. And, and, as you, and as you go and as you spend time there, you know, if, if, you know, if you sit down and then they leave you for 20 minutes and never come back to get your drink order or to bring a menu or, you know, if you get all your food but they don't bring any silverware, I mean, those things kind of stick out to you. You kind of, you remember those things, right? And, and you, start, you start to get flustered, you know? And I think for people that come and just sit at the table, eventually they get flustered. 
eventually they find themselves just kind of feeling like, well, this, you know, this really isn't meeting my expectations. I mean, come on, Jeff, it's just some checks mix, bro. Like, can't we do better than that? You know, I mean, that, that kind of becomes our, that kind of becomes our mentality. It becomes a consumer mentality because we are only consuming. And that's not what God's called us to do. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. I want you to look at this passage with us right here as it keeps going right here. And it says in, in four, verse 42, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. Jesus is making a point because he knows what James and John are up to. He knows they're wanting to be rulers. He knows they want to sit at a table. He knows they want ribs and steaks and lobster tails all brought to them whenever they want it and pretty ladies or whatever it is, you know, that he, he knows what they want. And, and he goes on and says, and the great ones exercise authority over them. He's, and he's saying, yeah, you know, we know how the Gentile rulers do. They lord it over them. They exercise authority over them. Come bring me what I want right now. I'm not getting up. You're serving me. I'm not serving you. And in verse 43, he says, but it shall not be so among you. I'm going to read that again. But it shall not be so among you. How about one more time? But it shall not be so among you. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Well, that doesn't sound much like, you know, steak dinners and lobster tails. That sounds like we got to, like, go and help take care of people. We got to serve people. Slave? I'm no slave. You know, one of the truths about the gospel is this, is that when we have trusted Christ to be our Savior, we are saying, I give you all my rights. Here they are. I forfeit my rights to be who you are calling me to be and who you want me to be. Jesus, lead me with your life. Jesus is calling his disciples to humility. Not lording. Not lording. Oh, man, we would love the Lord. I mean, I, you know, it'd be nice to Lord. You know, I think, I mean, even just a day. I mean, let's just go back to those lobster tails for a day, you know? I mean, I'd take a day of lobster tails and be cool with that, you know? I wouldn't even have to be mean to people, although it might be fun for a minute. We've got a few that know. Jesus says in verse 45, and let me say this, this might be the verse to the whole book of Mark. Jesus says in verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, hear me out. I'm not interested in guilt trips, okay? I'm interested in a body of believers that would seek the Lord and that they be people that would just be led by Him. That at the moment's notice, that if God calls us to step out in faith, to, to do something for somebody else, be it a neighbor, be it serving as a part of the body, whatever it is, that, that 
that we would just be faithful, that we would just be faithful. And 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 I want to say this, you know, the 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 dreams of, you know, hey, let's let's reach those people. Let's see those kids who've never heard about Jesus. Come in here, let's bring them in, let's teach them the gospel, let's see them to be saved. You know what? Those are great dreams, but guess what goes with it? It goes with a whole lot of people who are willing to get their hands dirty. A whole lot of people who are willing to say, you know what, my Sunday mornings are not mine. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all in. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be there for the long haul. We're going to get there early in the morning. We're not going to leave till lunchtime. We're just going to go. If we have to help get some of those kids here, if we're a part of teaching those kids the gospel, what, whatever facet it is, if we're a part of making things go that their parents feel, feel welcome to get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will be worth it. But it takes people with an attitude of we have come to serve and not be lords not just set at the table, but to serve at the table. Those people that serve at the table, man, they're, they're, man, they're so important to us. I look around this room, there's so many people. I thought about like who I was going like, to call up. LeRae had no idea everybody else was included in here. Um, yeah, yeah, there is one more chair left. We'll get to that. And, uh, you know, but I, I look around this room and I see so many people who have been faithful at serving others and serving the table. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, too. Man, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment, not, not to 24 Church, not to me as a pastor. Thank you for your commitment and your faithfulness to Jesus. Because this is about, this is about Him. This is about Him being glorified. This is about Him being made known. We want people to know Jesus, it take, then it takes people to serve. It takes people to be faithful. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus makes the payment. I think there's a microphone over there in a chair that I forgot to bring up here. If one of y'all want to bring it up here. Thank you. I, uh, I get the privilege to get to hear about people's passions and desires of the things that God is leading them to do. Um, and one of those people, you know, uh, first of all, I'll put her on the spot, is, is LaRae. Uh, and, well, you know, but it's off the cuff. You know, it's like, so who's, you know, uh, I, I, I like just enough element of like, what, who's God going to bring in here that's like going to be, oh, yeah, that's the one. Um, so God's been working on LaRae's heart um, to um, do something to help people especially with coping with loss of different kinds. And there's a lot of reasons why and all that, and I don't think she's going to want to get into all of that this morning in front of you, especially off the cuff without me telling her ahead of time that I was going to have her come up here. But uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to at least give her just a second. Why don't you share for just a second kind of what's coming up, uh, what you're going to be doing. Do you mind doing that? You're a, te- you're a teacher, so you don't mind sure. talking in front of people, right? right. Well, grown-ups are different than kids. They are, they're, <laughs> they're weird. Yeah, a little weird. Grown-ups are weird. Uh, no offense, <laughs> but um, I'm Lorraine. if you don't know who I am. Um, I will get into just a little bit my reason behind. I lived a very joyful life. I'm a joyful person. That's how God made me. That is one of my gifts. Um, and then in November of 2017, my father-in-law passed away, and that was actually the first huge loss that I had experienced up till that point. 
and we knew it was better. He had cancer. It was awful. Um, we knew he was with Jesus. We knew it was something that was right, but it still hurt. And so I found myself working through what, what does this mean? What is, how do I handle what God has given me in this struggle that I have? Because it hurts when we lose people. Um, and then that following March, uh, I'm also pregnant, so if I cry, just ignore that part. Um, um, that following March, we found out we were pregnant. Um, and then on our way back from Texas, we had a miscarriage. Um, that is the second big loss that I experienced within a few months. And I realized I had all these amazing people around me, but I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was my fault. I didn't understand why. And it was very confusing. And at that point, I would say my joy was very fake. Um, and I wasn't finding my joy in the Lord or my hope. And it took me several months and still we're coming up on a year and I have my days if I'm honest um but through that the people the pastors and the people that are surrounding me helped me work through um I knew that God was going to use this I knew that there was something that he was calling me to do and they're very kind people out in this audience that helped me figure out I thought it was one thing um they talked to me they shared their stories and really it was a ministry to me to get to hear that um, but that wasn't what God had planned. And so as we moved throughout the months, um, he showed us that there was a grief share class that um, I believe Long Hollow was doing as well and had found success. Um, but it helps people to understand the why um, and that it's not our fault um, and that it's sin and it's in this world. In John, I believe it's nine, so you help me out here if I'm wrong. In, in, <laughs> In John 9, it talks about a man being healed from being blind, and the disciples are asking, why? Why is this? What did, did he sin? Was, did his parents sin? This must be why he's blind. And Jesus simply replies with, it is so that my work can be done for the kingdom. And I know that we all have, you may not have had a miscarriage, you may not have lost someone, but we know that there still is this suffering that comes with following Christ. Um, and so this class is meant to help us figure out where we can find our comfort and then where to go from there. Um, and so I'm really excited about it um, and looking forward to it. So for those that have suffered loss recently, you're struggling with that, th this is for you. Uh, and it can be something like a miscarriage. It could be the loss of a loved one that you knew uh, you know, physically here and now. Uh, that's that's going to be coming up, and you'll see more information about that. But uh, you know, out of God working through tragedy and suffering, God is bringing something out of this that's going to be healing uh, to many people. And and praise the Lord, we've got a baby on the way yes, too. How awesome is that? Yes. So uh, I uh, also learned somebody else has a baby on the way this morning, but I'm not saying who. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah. I would um, also like to shout out to spouses and family members. You know that your loved ones are hurting. So if you, they might need a push or mm -hmm. some extra prayer throughout this week and next um, to be able to sign up for the class, please do that for them. Absolutely. Thank you, LeBron. No problem. That was pretty good off the cuff. Thanks. You did good. Well, you know Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, Lorraine Johnson, I didn't really introduce, introduce everybody. This is Eric Quinlan, uh, and this is Jeff Menifee. And, and you've probably seen many of these folks around here. Eric's been serving 
uh, in our tech with our tech crew now for some time and has been with us, I don't know, what, about a year or so, almost a year? Not quite, not quite there yet. Uh, and uh, just off the cuff, uh, C.J. Morris invited Eric and his wife, Melissa, uh, to come to church here. Uh, you know, how special is that, especially in, in the wake of that and, and just the loss that, that we had last year with losing him. Uh, what, what an amazing testimony that, to what God did through him just inviting somebody to church. And it's this reminder, like, do we do that? Are we, who's, who's God putting in our lives that we're saying, hey, you should come to church with me uh, or hey, you should come to my micro church or you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, let, me, let me ask you, uh, if you don't mind, Jeff, Jeff and his wife, Jen, uh, you know, and you saw Jen up here just a second ago. She's over here in the, in the corner. Uh, she was real excited about public speaking. <laughs> and, uh, and so she went and sat down. Uh, but uh, uh, Jeff and Jen uh, are also, uh, like all of these folks at the table, many of you, I, I view as just gifts from the Lord that he has brought to this church, some of the people that he has. And, and you know, one of the things that we've been kind of focused on for the last couple of years, and part of why we brought Ben on board, uh, is to help with systems within the church and trying to help make systems better. We, we just, we're... <laughs> We can be a little bit of a gunslinger type, you know. Hey, let's just, no, yeah, yeah, we feel it. Let's do, let's do it. You know what we got to do? Oh, we got to plan something. Oh, we don't need to plan anything. Let's just go. Uh, and so, uh, Jeff and his wife Jen uh, are are just amazing people who love the Lord. Uh, but then on top of that, they have a passion uh, for serving others with hospitality. And so uh, Jeff and Jen uh, are collectively together going to team in helping head up uh, our hospitality ministry here at 24. Now, in the past, that's meant, you know, we got some coffee, we got some breakfast, people, that kind of stuff. We, we, we have, you know, for some time, you know, desired to see it be so much more, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, that events aren't just, you know, hey, just bring whatever you got, and hopefully we'll have enough in the end or, you know, whatever. Uh, they, they have already... I can't even tell you. I mean, really starting with CJ's funeral. Uh, we had no idea that in the wake and in the loss of our friend that we would have the opportunity to literally minister to our entire community within a couple of days. And we were able to do so because they and others that came around them uh, really stepped up and just made amazing things happen. We, <laughs> we put together, and with Dave's help and some other folks, we put together child care for people who wanted to come for visitation in the funeral. I've never heard of a church doing that before in my life. Uh, we just kind of like, hey, let's just go for that. And, and then fed uh, everybody that were around here, the fire department. CJ was one of our local firemen, if you didn't know CJ. Uh, so our fire department was here nonstop through those couple of days. Uh, and all the other people around that were helping out in different ways uh, fed them, fed the families, all this kind of stuff during and after. I mean, just amazing, amazing what they've done. And, and, and I just bring this up because uh, I want Jeff to just kind of share his heart for a minute because I want you to get to know Jeff. We've all been getting to know Jeff for some time now, and I, I've, I have, I've said for a while we've got to have Jeff up talk about what God is leading them to do, the passion in his heart. Jeff, will you share just a minute sure. of, of, of that? Absolutely. Well, for, first and foremost, and um, I'll get into our background in hospitality here in just a minute, but just looking around this room right now, there's the vast majority of you that should be up here making this presentation right now. That's amazing. I mean, that's just so cool to see because the events we've done so far, the funerals, the um, 
the needs within the community, the small events we've had here, whether it's the parenting thing or the uh, MC meeting, things like that, the amount of you that just volunteer, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, spur of the moment stuff too, like Chris mentioned, it's, hey, we got a need, we had an event come up, we need some hands, we need some people to help out with it, and we're not scrambling to find people, which is, man, what a blessing in a ministry that is to, uh, to the community, to the people of this congregation, just to see how many people are willing to step up. So I'm, I'm humbled to be up here this morning, honestly, Chris, because so many of you have already done so much for this church long before Jen and I ever came here, long before we even knew of 24, um, how many of you have served and how many of you continue to serve in uh, great capacities. So uh, again, this is uh, really, I should be sitting way over there and there should be about 100 of you standing up here on stage ahead of me in this line. So uh, again, we thank you for what you do. As far as our specific background, Jen and I, hospitality people, we both went to uh, Purdue University Hospitality and Tourism Management Program, served in the hotel restaurant world. Um, we loved that. It was a career. It was something that we enjoyed. But then as time went on, I think God fleshed that out and said, well, that may be your career. That may be something you're good at. That may be something you enjoy doing. But it's bigger than that. It's your spiritual gift. It's what I've called you to do to go beyond the workplace. It's what I've called you to do with your friends and family, with your church family, with your community. So to flesh that out a little bit, that's where, that's where our heart is. It's going, okay, this is a gift from God. This is our spiritual gift. Let's see how he wants to use us in that. Uh, and again, that's where coming on board with 24 and hearing Chris's heart about what he wants hospitality to be, the different things that we discussed as far as going to the communities with the bus ministry and picking people up, doing events here, whether it's a church-wide event where we all just have fellowship together. Uh, there's so many different facets of that, and it's even, um, even on small scale. It's, you know, prime example, we had the family at their house uh, caught on fire just a few weeks ago, and to see how many people instantly were like, hey, what can we do? There are guys there before I even knew about it. There are people already on site going, hey, here, here's the situation, here's what the needs are, and the amount of people that responded from this church congregation, again, it's just, it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's incredible how awesome and how loving you guys are, and that's when I think of hospitality at its root, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's love and service. Um, it's love and action is what hospitality is. So it's whether that, that person that's in need, whether it's the person that's grieving, uh, whether it's the person that, you know, is, is out of a job and is, is, is in poverty and needs help financially. It's the person that is lost and doesn't know the Lord. It's so many different. It's opening up your home. It's opening up your heart. It's opening up for everybody that comes in these doors. And that was a prime example at that funeral, just the amount of people that showed love as people came in the door, whether they knew you or not, it was everybody in this congregation was like, come in, welcome, what can we get you? You know, you, you need a water, you need a coffee, you need someone to talk to. It's, it's, that's hospitality. That's, that's people walking in there, complete strangers going, man, those people at 24 were awesome. They loved me. They treated me like they had known me my whole life. And that's what a hospitality is. And that's what I see here, even from the first day we walked in. 
that's, I think that's a big part of the DNA of, of this body of believers, and I think we all, those of you that have been here for a long time, I think you would agree with that. Uh, and we want it to be. We want it to continue to be. Again, it's easy for us to become, it's easy to go from being one that serves to being one to be served. Um, and, I, and I think there's seasons in life for us where we need to take a break. You know, maybe from, you know, your feet get tired after a while and you need to take a break or you need to learn how to pace yourself in serving or those kinds of things. Uh, but the truth is, is a lot of times I think that I see a lot of people who are just amazingly gifted and talented in so many different ways that have served in the past take such an extended break that they it's almost like they don't know how to get back up from the table. And they get stuck there. And I've been praying that in some of the things that Jeff and Jen are going to be leading us and doing it. And listen, that rabbit hole is deep. Like what I told him, I was like, we don't have time to talk about all the things that he and I've been talking about and what it looks like for hospitality at 24 because of all the ministries that that ties into. And by the way, his, his heart is like he wants to come alongside all of you that have been faithful and are being faithful even now in doing so many of those things that are going on. Uh, but again, going back to you know, so many people, I think, disengage from, from serving because it's just easier to just sit at the table. And, and, and I'm reminded of, if you go to Luke 22, uh, kind, of the same, kind of the same conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples, uh, Luke's rendition, and it says this, it says, For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? but I am among you as the one who serves. And Jesus is again just saying, look, I, I, I know you want to kick back and be like, bring on the grapes, you know? I mean, like, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we want to do. We're like, man, we worked all week, and, you know, we're tired, and, you know, I, you know it's so, so many folks with so many gifts. Let me, I, listen, again, I'm not encouraged. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in anybody feeling guilty this morning. I'm, I'm interested in pushing you, if you're a part of this church, I'm interested in pushing you to be faithful to whatever the Lord is leading you to do. How has he gifted you? Don't ignore that stuff. How's he gifted you? Are you, are, are you an awesome teacher? If you're an awesome teacher, then we need you teaching, teaching Jesus to people, teaching Jesus to kids. You know, what, what an awesome opportunity we have in front of us. If you haven't noticed, this thing is blowing up. Like, God is doing amazing things here. Uh, it was a week before the snow apocalypse of 2019 last week. <laughs> Folks, I, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't, you guys know, I don't just go throwing numbers around. It's not, it's not about numbers, but it is about souls. And it is about the body of believers and are we being effective. We, had, we were shy of 500 people by like one family that week. I mean, that's, that used to be Easter's. You know, Easter's are now like a thousand or something crazy. But you know, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying that to say God is at work. Don't miss what He's doing. Don't miss out. Jump in. Go go have those conversations. Fill out the background checks. You know, be involved in all that stuff. But but outside of this, like we don't just desire to be a church that's a great church to be a part of on Sunday morning. We want to be a body of believers that is known not for a building but we are known as being the body of believers in this community, showing Jesus to our neighbors, to the schools that we're in, to the places that we work. That's who God is calling us to be. For who is the greater? One who reclines at table or one who serves? 
Is it not the one who reclines at table, but I am among you as the one who serves? It's easy to want to sit at the table. And I'm reminded this morning that, yes, there is a, there's another seat here. It's the head of the table. And uh, this seat is empty on purpose because none of us can fill it. And even as the lead pastor, I can't fill it. And, and I want you to always understand, I'm not the head of the church. Our pastors are not the head of the church. The one who sits at the head of the table is the head of the church, and that's Jesus himself. He's the only one that can fulfill that position. This morning, I'm reminded that we are called to a humility that was put forth in front of us by Christ Himself. That He came, how much to give? 10%? A little bit of His time? No, no, no. He, he, he blew all that out of the water. He gave it all. He gave it all. I'll read it one more time. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. To give His life as a ransom for many. This morning, Eric, you're just here to look pretty. Um, <laughs> Eric's okay with that. <laughs> This morning, um, I want to segue into being reminded of the ransom that was paid. Jesus made the payment on our behalf, and he did so through the very thing that he was asking the disciples, oh, 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 you want to you wanna sit at my right and my left? Oh, well, let me ask you a quick question, going back to verse 38. He says, you do not know what you are asking are you able to drink the cup that I drank or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? The cup in which Jesus was talking about is this cup that we, most of us who have been around the church, are very familiar with. And it is a cup that to us represents something, but to Jesus it meant so much more. In fact, I want to read to you out of Luke 22 what Jesus says about it. It says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. Jesus took a minute to recline at the table. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that I am from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus made the payment with his body and his blood, his life he gave for us. Why? Why? Is it so that we could just come at the table and just sit back? Where's that salsa? 
Where's that? Where's those fajitas? Where's that lobster tail? Come on with that, right? No, no, no. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And in doing so, he gave his life as a ransom for many, that we might have a seat at the table, but that we might also serve those who come to it. This morning, we're going to take communion together as we do every week. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to be a member of 24 to take communion with us. You just, you just got to know one thing. You need to know Jesus. If Christ is your Savior, we invite you to come and remember and celebrate who He is and what He's done with us. As we take this time together, I pray that God is glorified. If you're here this morning, let me say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, you're not a Christian. You can say, Chris, I know I'm not a Christian. I've just been thinking about this stuff. I've still got questions or whatever. Let me just say this. During this time, myself and others will be down here in the front. We'd be glad to talk with you. Same thing after the service. We'll be down here in the front. We'd be glad to talk with you, pray with you, try to help answer questions. No guilt involved. We want Jesus to be the one to lead people to him. We want the Holy Spirit to be the one to convict. We just know that if God is speaking to your heart, you may need to be in a situation where you need to talk to somebody, and we want to be here for you. We would love the opportunity to do that. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you've done for us, for allowing us, Lord, to have a seat at your table, to be a part of your family. Uh, Lord, I just pray. I pray that we, as your sons and daughters, Lord, would have the opportunity, Lord, to glorify you in all things. Lord, may you be known in our lives. May others know who you are because they know us. God, as we remember you in this moment through the bread, through the wine, Lord, that we remember your body, your blood, God, be glorified. Examine our hearts. Show us who we are. Drive us more to be like you. God, help us to see the passions and desires you've put on our hearts. Help mobilize us to serve others for your glory, not for this church, not for anybody else but you. God, use us. Use our talents. Use our gifts. God, that others might know who you are. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to be a part of your family and to do those things for your glory. God, be honored in us. Be glorified in this time. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Come.